T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. And as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Record. Yeah, okay. I'm good. Okay. Jimmy, am I giving you also any type of permission? Are you going to take over the screen, or am I going to do it all for you? I think you were going to do it all. We did a a dry one, Grant, Marcel, and I this morning, so Marcel will be running all the slides and the video. This way it's easier, so I can talking perfect all set up so we're good to go you let me know when you're ready and i'll start recording okay i'm ready to go okay and let's look around good uh good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you are in the world this is grant cameron and i have a very special um presentation today i have with me marcel vadovic and jimmy blanchette and I first heard about this story a couple of years back. I did a book called Contact Modalities where I talk about different modalities to interact with uh, whatever's on the other side of the field. Like if you rip the veil and you're over there, dead people, um, ETs, whatever. And one of the things I heard about, because the Canadians in the early years from 1950 to 1954, the Canadian Flying Saucer Program was run by a guy by the name of Wilbert Brockhouse Smith. He was the top, top radio engineer for the Department of Transport in Canada, the top radio engineer in Canada, had run what was called uh, Radio Ottawa, which is where they're trying to pick off uh, communications with the Russians. They had all the latest radio technology. And Wilbert Smith spent a lot of time trying to interact with aliens, ETs, using radio technology. He'd built a lot of technology. His wife told me he had 36 patents, all with radio technology, which was put into planes at the Department of Transport and stuff like that. The government stole all the patents. They took all the patents and saying that he was working for the government. So I had always known that this radio thing of, of learning to make contacts with whatever this the intelligence beyond the UFO phenomena is, was very important. So a couple of years ago, I was talking to Marcel um, and Marcel told me that there was some guys with radios. And uh, he told me some stories about uh, uh, they had these contacts and the radios would, would light up. They'd say, OK, it's going to happen. And suddenly the radios in Wisconsin or wherever this event was would start going off. And I go like, wow. So I put it in contact modalities, but I just basically said there's this technology I've heard about and I really haven't, uh, they're not ready to go public yet. And now they're ready to go public. So I've got the uh, two, uh, I got the main guy who sort of developed this, Jimmy Blachette is on here and Marcel who told me about it. So I'll maybe turn it over to Marcel and you can set up what this is. It's called the CE6 initiative, correct? Uh, yeah, the C6 initiative is more of a, a global contact movement. Uh, the, radio, the, the radios is part of it. I mean, we're trying to promote that. Uh, but really, this is about uh, 
radio communication, uh, establishing your own personal communication with extraterrestrial intelligence. That's basically the gist of it. Even though we've been, uh, uh, for those experiences who've been in contact with, with extraterrestrial interdimensional beings, um, they don't have the instrumentation or have limited instrumentation as far as being able to um, have a physical, uh, verifiable contact. In other words, uh, we've used trifield meters in the past and so on. What Jimmy has developed is actually almost like a, um, to make it simplified, almost like a walkie-talkie, a transmission between you using thought, consciousness, intent, and communicating with extraterrestrials or uh, non-human intelligence and getting a response back. So it's, it's, it's validated. And he's pioneered this uh, a few years ago. I was fortunate enough to be introduced to him via the social channels. And he's the one that got us started with this. So I immediately added to my arsenal of technology, the radios. And it's been, uh, I would say, one of the most incredible experiences and trip that I've had since uh, I started making contact over the last few years. And most of it, uh, thanks to Jimmy, because he really pioneered this. Um, and I've known, uh, I met Jimmy in 2018 and we became really good friends. And a small group of us have been working with the radios for the last few years. And we had no idea how far this would go. And every day is a new experience. And I'll let Jimmy share a lot of the, uh, the nuances to what's been happening over the last few years. Just before we go to Jimmy, uh, just sort of give a little bit of your background. You're actually like a technical guy. You've done a lot of uh, filming photographs. You've got a lot of stuff and you've worked with different uh, CE5 groups like through Stephen Greer and you've done your own stuff around the world that you, you're pretty knowledgeable about the technology ang angle to this thing. I have actually been really fortunate in the fact that I somehow have been allowed to capture a lot of the activity. And yes, I started with Dr. Greer. My first expedition was in 2015 in Vero Beach, Florida, where we had the massive twin ships appear. Uh, prior to that, I really I had an interest. I've always had an interest since I was in, in high school on UFO and extraterrestrials. But it wasn't in 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 read a lot of books on it. But it really wasn't until 2015 where I actually um, uh, took the plunge, so to speak, and went to an event and experienced contact using consciousness. And for me, uh, what, what an experience to have the, you know, these massive ships up here in Vero Beach. So to me, that was my pivotal point. That's where it started all. After that, I, I joined a local group here, which I, I, I co-run uh, here in Michigan, and we're up to over 100 members where we do CE5 events a few times a year. I also joined an international team where I've done um, work in New Zealand and, and, and other places and had an experience with uh, full contact with extraterrestrials in New Zealand, little light beings, which was just a, an incredible moment for me. And also, as we discussed in the past, I had contact in Mount Shasta with other beings, which was also a pivotal point in my life. Uh, but that said, when we're having our CE5 events, whether it's a two-person event, which I've done several, uh, actually I actually have gone out by myself, but even as a two-person event or a 30-person event, uh, for some reason, I am... I get some communication, something tells me to point my camera in a certain direction. And it's at that moment that there's something that comes, you know, in, into the, the camera lens and I can, and I've recorded and have photographs uh, literally probably now in the hundreds. And I can't tell you how many hours of, of video photographs that I, or a, a video that I have on crafts and other anomalies that have occurred, uh, which I probably only 
went through maybe 30 to 40 percent of it so now uh, when i first saw when when i saw the presentation jimmy had done about a month or two months ago i, I was pretty excited i thought this was like pretty revolutionary stuff and so describe to me how do you think this is really really significant stuff in terms of like you've got the photographs what kind of impact do you think this is going to have in terms of um because to me i was just blown away when i saw it i thought wow i mean how, how do people not know about this yeah well i i think it's huge i think it's huge because um we've all had some type of contact and i come from a scientific background you know i, I need to analyze i need to you know validate things uh and we're we're being communicated at all times, but if we're busy with our with our scientific mind and we're busy with our everyday life, you don't really pick up on the communication that's being given to you. I mean, we're getting messages all the time and so on. The radio is a tool in which the scientific mind of it doesn't have to be the scientific mind for but for the scientific person, it's actually now a physical device that when they're setting the intent and doing the communication and sending the audio signals out before they would get a response, but they might not recognize that response because it's a, a response. Um, it might be a feeling, a thought here. Now there's something, a device that's actually has sound and it has a frequency to it. So now you're saying, wow, I just sent something out, whether it was, um, you know, via, um, a, a, a telepathic message or whether it was a audio sound uh, or Morse code sound and all of a sudden I'm getting response immediately even though your radio might have been quiet for weeks prior to that as soon as the message goes out you're getting a reception and if you have multiple radios each one is being interacted individually it's not like they're both doing the same thing which now for the scientific mind, they're saying, wow, there's something to it. So now you're, you, you have a tool to help you discern that there's some type of communication going on. So to me, it's huge. I've used the trifield meters in the past. I now use my feeling and my telepathy more than I do the instruments, but having the instruments as a backup is also for validation is really important. Okay. So let's, let's get to uh, Jimmy and let's uh, start this um this presentation and uh, get other people excited about this. Sounds great, sounds great. So uh, first, uh, thank you so much, Grant, for uh, uh, providing this platform to share this information. I think it's important, so thank you very much. So uh, yeah, so, um, and thank you, Marcel, for, for joining and help me, uh, help, me, help me out on this. So yeah, we have a PowerPoint presentation, so we will go through, um, uh, you know, pretty good details about the technique itself, how it works, and kind of demystify the, the, the technological aspect of it and, and, and physics, physics aspect of it. Um, and, um, you know, we have also a short video we'll go through uh, to give some visual to, to the audience. So we'll do that. So I started, yeah, I started in, um, uh, and maybe Marcel, I don't know if it's a good time to uh, put on the first slide. Sure. Let me share the screen and let me. Uh... Yeah. And then the screen, you got to click the little uh, audio thing on the bottom and the, there's two little things to share on the bottom there. Okay, let me just uh, let me just double check that I have. Can, can you hear me? Okay, is that yeah, the yeah. sound coming through? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. So let me let me just go to the PowerPoint and we'll get that started. Okay. So You're in control, Jimmy. 
Excellent, excellent. You mentioned Grant earlier, breaking the veil. That's funny because that's part of the title of this presentation. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's really poking, poking a hole through the veil. Absolutely, yeah. that's what it is. Uh, next slide, Marcel. So we're talking about obviously a communication with non-human intelligences using electromagnetic radio wave. Uh, so really, the, the primary objective of this is, uh, you know, to to share and deploy this contact modality and make it known. Make it available to the folks out there, so can so they can have their their own first contact experience. When I mean by first contact, it's not necessarily only open first contact with you know the world and see big ships showing up. I'm talking about really individual having the opportunity to have their first their own first contact experience, their own personal experience. Um, and you know this is really you know the um, I want to point out from the beginning the, this contact modality is really a technological aid. That's the way I'm looking at it. It's a technological aid to assist our consciousness, you know, into in communicating with, with um, non-human intelligences. Um, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, consciousness is really what's driving this phenomenon. There's no doubt about that. And we'll see later on, we'll have discussions about it. Once you establish your first contact and your relationship, that relationship will keep growing. It will grow tremendously on the consciousness level, really. Okay. Uh, so it's, uh, it's very helpful to have an introduction at this first contact to make that initial um, communication that, that will then grow. Um, all right, maybe go to the next uh, slide, uh, Marcel. Okay, so a brief history a bit here, how this how this all started. Um, I have been, uh, maybe some of my background, I'm a chemist by education um, from Quebec, Canada, from the French province of Quebec, Canada. So that's why I have a, a thick a thick accent, I apologize for it. Um, uh, and uh, I, I moved to the United States in 2002. Um, I've been a radio um, kind of engineer, uh, you know, involved in radio communication since, since the age of 12, literally. I've been uh, building antennas uh, all my life and had a lot of fun, you know, with this technology. Uh, anyway, fast forward to 2013, um, I became interested in a, in a modality called moon bounce communication. Uh, Marcel, you, you want to go to the next slide? So in 2013, I, I had heard about it and I had never heard of that modality before. And the, this contact modality really, it's used by the amateur radio community, but a very, very small segment. It's uh, they're just, not many people in the world would do that because it requires, you know, very powerful, very uh, sophisticated equipment. And the moon bounce communication consists in literally using the moon as a passive reflector. And so with the right equipment, with enough power, uh, you know, one can literally beam uh, powerful beams of radio wave and, and have these beams of radio wave bounce off the surface of the moon and the front wave comes back towards earth. And that allows to establish a two-way communication between two radio stations. Uh, you know, the technical challenge is astronomical. We're talking about, a, um, you know, over a, nearly half of a million mile in terms of uh, distance for the round trip. And, um, you know, the technique requires very sophisticated equipment, uh, expensive equipment. And, you know, literally, you know, from the, the amateur radio side of it, the signal uh, that comes back from the moon are so weak that most of them are not even audible with the human ear. Uh, most of these signals are 100 to 1000 times weaker than the background noise. And so these signals are literally buried in the background noise. Uh, but you know, with today's technology, the computer um, and, and so forth, it's possible to literally extract this very weak signal of the background and you know, have a decode and have a, a communication with other stations on the planet this way. So that, that was the interest. Um, may, maybe go back to one slide. Uh, 
myself, go back by one slide. So th that really uh, was my goal initially. And I heard about um, this contact modality. So I started building antennas. I said, there's no way that I'm going to let that fly. I need to try this. That's too cool. I need to try this contact modality. So that's how it started from a technical aspect. Um, and I started building antenna. So we see here from 2014 to 16, uh, I worked on um, a system called uh, TARP or triangular, which stands for triangular array rotatable polarity antenna, um, which we see here on the, on the right side of the screen. That's the, that's the model I, I, I developed. Um, and interestingly, I do have a funny story about this, this antenna. So the way that this, uh, this antenna design uh, came to mind uh, at the time I was at the, uh, I was at the beach uh, on a long chair and this this model just popped up in my mind just like a download if you will so i said wow this is uh, this is unusual but i was very curious about this this model so i just ended up jumping off my chair and running to my hotel room i had my computer and i started modeling this antenna design i do have specialized software to uh, model you know antennas of various configurations and then the model um, essentially spits out what the uh, electromagnetic radiation pattern is going to be. And when I modeled this antenna, I was uh, stunned because it, it produced really a very pure radiation pattern that you know could not be achieved um, with other configurations. So this triangular configuration really, again, as you know, just, just, just like that. And that's how I ended up, uh, if you forward Marcel by two slides. So um, I ended up uh, writing two scientific papers about this antenna system. Uh, one was published in uh, December of 2016. Uh, the paper were published in a magazine, um, a very specialized magazine uh, for radio amateur, uh, the yeah, radio amateur magazine about VHF, UHF, and microwave. And so, and I published also a follow-up uh, paper in, uh, in Q2 2017 about TARP. Uh, we see here to the right side that that's the actual magazine. I was fortunate enough that the, mag the antenna made up made the cover page of that magazine actually at the time. Um, you know, all that is homemade. Obviously, it's you know you can't uh, buy this equipment at Walmart. It's all very kind of homemade, and you need to concoct or put all these pieces together, you know, to come up with the system. So that's how it came about. Maybe Marcel, come back two slides. Um, go back to the summary here. Okay. So this is how it started. Um, so this was the 2014-2016 timeframe. That's where I spent a lot of time working on the systems. And I, I do have a website, uh, www.kk6fah.com. Uh, which is my kind of amateur radio website and all the details, technical details about the antenna system and performance are, are there with, with a lot of different videos. Uh, 2015, um, I did have a, a very significant experience, uh, mystical experience at the time that I, I probably is, is relevant to the story that I'll take maybe a couple of minutes uh, sharing. Uh, so I had um, 2015, a guided meditation and um, the lady conducting the guided meditation invited the uh, invited me to uh, you know imagine a light table uh, made of light and um, the next thing that happened is that she proposed to uh, invite my guides uh, to that table that to that light table and so um, so I, I went along with the exercise went along with uh, you know with what was proposed and 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 surprisingly there were three beings that showed up at that light table one was very very tall very bright kind of light being there were two other beings of different configuration that uh, look more ETs, to be honest, than, than guides. But anyway, that's that's what uh, showed up there. Uh, and then the next thing that happened, um, the person guided, guiding the meditation um, asked to essentially ask me to, to, 
to ask the question about what was my purpose on this planet in this incarnation. So I, I started formulating this, obviously, this question to them, um, you know, as it was suggested. And the answer that came back was surprising to me. And the answer was that the, it says, um, you know, this being said, you already know what your purpose is. Why are you asking? Wow. And then the, the two, the, the thing that came up immediately after were these two words that showed up in front of me, first contact like, you know, engraved in rock, if you will, it just boom, just appeared in front of me. Oh. And that was just like, boom, right, really, uh, you know, a big hit. And at that precise moment, I had the absolute certainty also that this antenna system I was working on will have something to do with it. Wow. It's just the feeling I had, it was a feeling. Uh, now, at the time, you know, I was not into contact work uh, yet. I was, it was 2015, I had not started any contact work. So this experience was um, I was a bit struggling quite honestly with it to understand first of all what first contact meant you know there may be really different views of what that means um, and also you know I said probably just imagine that so I just moved on you know put it in my kind of back pocket you know of experience and you know uh, went along with it so it's just only really later on that I realized you know what 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 took place there but anyway so this this was a significant experience at the time had any experiences say as a child maybe if they're not even ufo experiences like mystical experiences that would indicate some yes yeah oh yeah absolutely i mean from from my childhood i've had many out-of-body experiences okay uh sleep paralysis and probably the most significant experience i had that i'm still i still remember very very precisely um it was in Quebec, actually. I was in a small house, in my small house in Quebec, Canada. And um, that morning, I was face down on my mattress, paralyzed. I could, not, I could not move, but I was completely, fully awake, awake and aware. And I was terrified. I could, I could hear um, movement around me, around my bed, like beings, if you will. I, at the time, I thought maybe it's like uh, somebody, like a burglar that came in is just there, right? But I could not move to even look at what was going on. So there were there were presence, let's put it this way, be, uh, around me and I couldn't move. I was terrified because I couldn't move. Um, so that one, I was very awake and aware of it. And I fully remember that one and many other uh, out-of-body experiences okay. throughout my life. Okay. Hey, uh, Jimmy, what's really fascinating that 2015, when you had your uh, mystical experience, which is... Uh, ironically, the same year that I experienced my Vero Beach uh, experience, it, it was a turning point in my life. And prior to that, I had similar out-of-body experience in the paralysis. Paralysis was really a big thing for me. It scared the heck out of me because I couldn't understand it. But the turning point in my life was in 2015, which appears to be similar, your starting point of now taking something scientific and having this experience, which is that's right. That's right. It's a, it's very ironic. Good coincidence. And uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, all right. So, and then, um, okay. And then we get into the 2017 timeframe. So 2017, I became, um, uh, became interested in CE5. I had heard about it. I had seen videos on the web about it and uh, I was intrigued. Um, you know, I, I was always a believer. I mean, from my childhood, uh, I knew there was no way in the world we were alone. The, the, the probability of being alone was zero um, for me. And so I was always kind of, in a way, always, um, um, yeah, I always felt connected to the universe. I always I was always fascinated by astrophysics, astronomy. I took courses in these, in these disciplines. 
uh, I was always felt connected. So to me, you know, the, the ET presence on Earth was a given and I had, you know, read, you know, books about it and, and, and so forth. So, but I became interested and I said, uh, why not trying this? And I know there was a, um, at, at the time, uh, the degree was giving a, a, a one evening presentation um, at contact in the desert. Uh, it was, I believe, it, at the end of, towards the end of May 2017. And, um, so I said, wow, okay, so I'm gonna go there, right? I have never, I have never gone to a UFO conference in my life. Yeah. And so, you know, this was, you know, a new world to me. And so I said, okay, let's try it. I will go there to that, you know, to that evening and see what it is and, and so forth. So, but in preparation for this, uh, I wanted to kind of prep the ground. And I, you know, I heard people were putting groups together to do CE5 contact work and so forth. So. I decided, I said, I will, you know, why not starting my kind of own group and, and start something myself here in California. And so uh, that's how it started. And so I, I, I started working on it and naturally the idea came to me to, to use this technology that I had been working on for many years, this capability to assist me, if you will, as a technological aid for this uh, CE5 work. It just made sense. So I ended up creating binary code message using my own kind of algorithm here. Um, and, um, you know, I, I had located the site uh, in uh, Los Padres National Park uh, near Rose Valley, uh, Los Padres National Park. And so I had located a site there uh, on Google map actually. And I said, okay, I will go there uh, to scout that location uh, on May 1st, 2017. Uh, but before going there, I'm going to broadcast the, the invitation message that I had put together, the binary code message. And so maybe, Marcel, if you go to the three more slides. One more, one more, one more. Okay. So, okay, go back by one. So I had I had created my binary code, binary code message in which um, I had indicated the latitude, longitude, time, and date and a very brief message essentially to invite if there were 80 civilizations out there to uh, to meet me at that location at date, date and time. Right. And so I ended up, yes, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just, I'm just laughing when you said that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, it's a bit like what we see in movies in a sense, right? But anyway, so I ended up, uh, ended up uh, putting this message together and encoding each line with very specific frequencies. And we'll see some of it more in the video later on. Uh, and I broadcasted this message at full power using 150,000 watts of power, broadcasted it throughout the solar system. And, you know, at that power, literally the radio wave will physically reach the targets that, you know, I was, I was aiming at. So I, I broadcasted toward all the planets of the solar system, Jupiter, Saturn, uh, you know, uh, all of them, including the moon and the sun. Let me, let me ask you a question, because I think you you, you um, shot it towards Ganymede as well, didn't I hear yes. you talk about it? And that was yeah, well, because of the Mission Rama people talking about Ganymede being a... Yes, I was aware that uh, there was there was a connection uh, between the, the Rama community and the, the moon of Ganymede. Uh, Ganymede is just one of the, I believe, 67 moons of Jupiter. So, you know, by aiming at Jupiter, you know, I, I was able right. to capture all the moons around Jupiter. Similarly with Saturn. Uh, Saturn has a, a large number of moons. I have the number here actually. So, um, you know, Jupiter has 67 moons and Saturn has 61 moons. Wow. I'm talking about a lot of uh, planet, you know, bodies out there. Uranus has 27 moons and Neptune has 13, Mars has two, and Earth has one. Uh, so, I, 
essentially broadcast it and to reach, you know, the signal physically reach all these planet, planetary bodies and the moon, including the sun. And so I broadcasted that days prior uh, going to the site. Uh, Marcel, you want to maybe play that video? So this is a real extract of the binary code message, how it sounded like and what I broadcasted. So it's a short video of 30 seconds. Marcel will play it right now. I have a lot of videos, so give me one sec. <laughs> and what's that one titled? Oh, there it is. Yes. Okay. I think you need to share your audio, uh, Marcel. Uh, don't forget right. to activate. You need to activate the share audio. You need to share your audio and Zoom to capture the audio. We don't hear the audio right now. Oh, sorry. Um, share sound. Okay, let's see if that's any better. Are you getting it? Yes. Okay. That, that is the message that was broadcasted. Uh, again, very homemade binary code message, but you know, nothing to lose. So uh, broadcasted that, and then uh, May 1st, 2017, uh, I end up you know, going to that site. I was by myself, uh, this, and again, this was more to scout the site, to screen it, see if it was a viable site for future contact work with a group, with at the time, time I, and I intended to, uh, to put together. Uh, so um, uh, next slide, Marcel. I think you are going to have to go through uh, next, next, next. I think you have to forward by about five slides to the brief history, first contact established. Yeah, next one. Okay, this one. Here we go. So, so I, I ended up going uh, to the contact site uh, that night, and um, it was a beautiful place. There was a, a small lake called the Lower Lake, and um, I was just essentially sitting next to the lake, and it was a perfect place. Uh, not not too much light pollution. So I, I said, okay, that's perfect site. Um, and then uh, after a while, I ended up, you know, sitting in a chair and then sitting in the chair and said, you know, why not try to meditate a little bit and just relax, right? Try to enjoy the, the, the scene here. Uh, I, had, I had brought with me at the time my small handheld radio, uh, which we'll see in the video shortly, uh, which was set to the same frequency that I had used um, to broadcast the message with the large radio station at my home, right? And so I had put the radio, remember, on the rooftop of my car and I was you know, sat in my chair for 20 minutes. And then after 20 minutes, the radio started behaving in a way that it had never behaved before. I had used this radio for many months to uh, do satellite communication and all kinds of other communication. I had carried, carried on that radio on, on me, you know, clipped on my belt, you know, and, and the radio had never, ever, ever acted this way before. So um, they started, and Marcel, you may want to, play that video here, which is a, this isn't, this video is not the actual video of May 1st because I didn't record it at the time, but it's a, a video I took days, a little, a few days after, which is a perfect representation of the interaction I had on my day of first contact, if you will, on May 1st. That, one, that one's called? Uh, yes. That's this one this here? One. Yes, sir. Uh, so this, uh, let, let me just. It's 2.16 in the morning. The radio is very active right now.
so this is very a good, this is a good representation of the interaction I had on May first, two thousand seventeen. At the time when the radio started behaving this way, uh, on the moment I almost got annoyed because it was you know I was trying to relax here and the radio was acting up and I, I didn't make the connection at all. Uh, by the way, you know you know <laughs> you know it's not the way I operate. You know I'm you know I'm a scientist. I, I try you know I, there's no way I would have concluded that this was an ET reply before having done all the homework to eliminate all possibilities of false positives. And, um, you know, I, I had never seen the radio behave this way, but I thought to myself, you know, it was pretty cold outside. It was getting chilly. I said, maybe the electronic is being affected by the temperature or there's something going off here, but going on. But, you know, I didn't make the connection at all. Uh, so anyway, after uh, some time, I decided to pack up everything and go back home, uh, very satisfied with the site that I had located there for future contact work. But I was very puzzled by this radio behaving this way. And, um, and so the next several days, I ended up carrying the radio on me all the time. So I said, look, if there's, the radio is, is being triggered by something uh, in, a, in, a in the middle of a national park where there's no cell signal, it's far remote, far from everything, far from all human installations, um, you know, I assume that the radio will do even more interaction if I go to, I keep it on me and go to the, you know, in town and at the bank and the grocery store, right? If it's being triggered by some kind of interference or something, it should happen in city. So I ended up carrying the radio on me for many days and the radio was completely silent. It was not doing anything. So, so I ended up uh, going back to the site um, several days later, uh, two weeks later, and then, um, um, uh, and then to kind of you know I, I, same 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 way I rebroadcasted an invitation message to you know for that specific date and time. Uh, I had a friend with me at the time who came, and then again um, we got set up there. And shortly after our arrival, the radio started going off again. <laughs> and then then I started making you know connecting the dots. And I had by the way. Um, in the days prior, I forgot to mention, I had tried to replicate these interactions, you know, using my large radio station here, I was blasting powerful, you know, I was making powerful transmissions to see if that will trigger the radio. I, I tried to replicate this interaction. It was not possible to replicate this interaction. In, in, in any case, so I went back to the site again, after getting set up there, the radio started interacting again and became very obvious at this point that we were, there was interaction, we were talking, there was interaction back. So it really felt like there was something behind this. There was something behind this phenomenon that was intelligent. There was an intelligence behind these replies. Um, so this is, um, this is really how it started for me. Um, and then uh, I continued from there. I mean, for, for the many weeks and months that followed, I continued doing the technical work to explore and you know, to, to understand more how this, this whole contact modality works. But uh, this is how it started. So I ended up uh, from there, uh, I continued creating messages, um, and um, I was going there for almost every weekend at that point to uh, to experience and, and to try it. So this is how it started. And then, I mean, very shortly after these these experience with the radio itself, I started having sightings, right, and having flashes in front of me and all kind of paranormal phenomena, uh, which really started. And so this is this is how it started. Can I, can I ask at this point, like in the first, say, the first ten incidences? Was it like every time that, was there a very definite pattern that it, this was happening every time? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It was absolutely uh, happening every time. And, and, and after that, it was not only happening at that location, it was happening at my own home, you okay. know, in the backyard. And so it became, it followed me. And that's why that this, this, 
relationship, if you will, that was you know beginning at that point uh, just started started to grow from there. Um, I have a question for you, Jimmy. You said that you went to contact in the desert when Dr. Guru did that one night event. Um, by the way, which I was there, I was on stage with him along with uh, Ricky Butterfest and, and uh, Lyra because we were volunteering. I, I guess you were in the audience, but did you bring your radio to that event? Did you already Ab start using yeah, it? Absolutely. So yes, <laughs> something funny about that story. So I ended up going to the that, that event that I, you know that's what actually I was trying to warm myself up to go to go to uh, so I ended up going there I brought a radio the same radio that had interacted there and um, shortly after uh, Dr. Greer started the presentation the radio started going off like crazy again so I knew that you know at the, by that time I knew what was going on and uh, I thought to myself maybe should I just stand up and show my radio you know hey we're having contact here but you know I just stayed quiet I'm pretty shy by nature so I stayed quiet. But was your volume up were people around you saying what why do you have that radio going crazy or not? Well I, I, I kept that pretty silent I didn't want to interfere and disturb interfere with the presentation obviously oh. but I was very excited I knew what was happening and so I said yeah. holy cow. Which is interesting because you, you'll discuss and I'll add to that as well is it's amazing when you have that intent what what the, how the radios react even if you have questions they will react with some type of response. Um, what's funny is I didn't know you then but yet we're we're, we're probably very close to each other because you we were, were uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. We were close to each other. We didn't know. We didn't know. That's, that's really funny. That's very funny. So yeah, so th this is how it started, and um, I think the next uh, the next portion, Marcel, will be the short video montage okay. uh, that we have. It's a twenty minute video montage, uh, which is essentially an extract, a condensed version of a longer video montage of an hour. So. There's this, uh, the, the, uh, the hour version will be made available, uh, you know, for this interview. Um, and, but I took some pieces of it, you know, and packaged something for a 20 minute just to give good visual. And so people can really understand what we're talking about in terms of radio interaction and sightings we're having and so forth. And so that will make the, the, the later part of the presentation uh, uh, Beautiful. better. Okay. Beautiful. So I'll just run and if there's questions, I can pause if uh, either you want to have, uh, uh, inter, um, interject. Okay. okay. We've developed something, Teshbar, and a, a good friend of mine who lives about 20 miles away, Jimmy Blanchett, uh, he developed a way to communicate with extraterrestrials using uh, a radio telescope. And he has one in his backyard that's massive, <laughs> 150 kilowatts. Wow. And it blasts. He, so he encodes a message into an audio file, and he aims it at the moon and blasts the moon, and that thing reflects everywhere. <laughs> and we actually had him create a special message for the harmonic convergence. It's an image that he encodes in the audio message, and you can decode it with an audio analyzer right on your cell phone. I'll show it to you later. We have this up on the website. And behind is my little tower and a huge antenna which is pointed towards space right now. So it is very big. <laughs> it's 
as big as my house almost. You can see behind, you know, the big palm trees, so it's big and thinner. And I have loaded up the message on the screen and I'm going to transmit uh, the message. <clears throat> the message of gratitude in this case, I'm gonna, the thank you message. So the transmission is going to last about 15 seconds and you will be able to hear the uh, all the digital code going. Alright, so I'm going to start in a few seconds. Alright, so transmission starting in 3, 2, 1, here we go. It's 2.16 in the morning, the radio is very active right now. I'm pausing that for just one second because I want to add, uh, preface this a little bit. We were planning a CE5 gathering in Big Arbor, Wisconsin with about 25 people. Um, most of us did not know each other. Uh, uh, four of us were going to do the training. And I was communicating with Jimmy at that point in time. And I said, would you be so kind as to put a message together? Uh, we're going to be heading out. And this is really the first time that we were gonna use multiple radios in a big contact event. So I had some, um, uh, 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 Ricky Butterfass had his, uh, Debs had hers, and I think another, uh, Kimberly had hers. So we had multiple radios, um, the handheld radios. So Jimmy used his large uh, trans uh, antenna to transmit the message. And then we had our radios and he, we, he picked a time and said, at this time, I'm gonna send the signal and then when we were in Wisconsin, we also used 
the the audio recording that he put together that he sent us and we played it i played it on my radio um shortly after jimmy sent his signal and this is what you're going to see uh what ensued and i should i should mention just keep it paused for a second I, this is when you first alerted me we were at mount shasta and that's when you told me about this event and that's what got me interested but you didn't give me the details. You just told me. No, sort of... no we still were. <laughs> You're still in Jimmy, top secret mode. Yeah, Jimmy was still <laughs> developing this. <laughs> okay. So we just transmitted Jimmy's message and all three of the transmitters lit up simultaneously. We just got to the house. We're making dinner, and we are. Is it going off right now? Yeah. Magnetometer's going off. <laughs> so we are, we are getting activity. Oh, magnetometer's going off the charts. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, this is really going off the charts. This is going off the charts. Look at that. Whoa. And you had no activity here when you it walked here. It was zero. Here. It was flatlined all this the is, way over This here. is like it's peaking all the way, all the way, all the way. It's going ooh, 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 ooh. I couldn't even Oh my gosh. Oh, bring your own magnetometer here real quick, please. Yeah, let's check and see what... Let's just make sure that we're not picking up anything else. Oh my God. Put it right next to Kim's so I can see it. Holy, okay. They're synchronized. Oh my God, all four of them. Oh my Lord. This is crazy. Look at that. We got response as thank soon as- Thank you, as soon as thank you Thank you very much. We love you as soon thank as you. you transmitted the message. Whoa, he is, they're just signaling. Whoa, that's bright. Whoa, thank you. I'm gonna pause here real quick. That craft uh, came back uh, all three nights. The very first night we had uh, 38 signal flashes. It flashes 38 times. The third night, which is, an incredible evening. We had 68 flashes from this one craft. Um, and, and we used our radios the entire time in the field. This picture that you're seeing was taken by Jeff Sell, and I think you've seen this uh, before, Grant, is he used a his uh, full-spectrum camera where they remove the, uh, the filter so he can take um, infrared and ultraviolet light in. And because we can sense these, this energy field behind the group and we kept walking into that area and many of us kept sensing this we didn't know what it was but we could sense a powerful energy field he took this picture and this is what what was developed or what what the camera showed is about a 14 foot um force field and next to it and i'll keep going is a i'll pause right there, is this round this this dish shaped object within the force field, if you can notice the outline here. Wow. 
Yeah, I interviewed Jeff a couple times about this. Yeah. Wow. And then whatever this is in the corner here, which is uh, pretty fascinating as well. Wow. Fascinating. made a request for the deciding if it is safe and appropriate and so we'll see if they can make it happen safely Marcel, you want to pause on this quickly here so I can give quick background on that experience. So I, I had created a message uh, to requesting a daytime sighting. And um, in uh, three days later, uh, this is what, you know, we uh, just materialized over my house. I uh, was uh, sitting in my you know, chair on a little table and then I looked up and all of a sudden I see this object, you know, in the clouds. It was clearly not a plane. And uh, but all I had was my, you know, my iPhone. So that's, you know, ended up being able to make some kind of, uh, you know, clip of it. But that's, that was the, you know, significant experience. Keep going, Massa. So we've got a lot of interactions already. And the group is uh, getting set up for the night. Oh, that's just me. Do you have it? Here. Oh. Yeah, I have a Here we go. Beautiful sight. It's. Uh... I'm going to pause here just to preface this a little bit. Uh, we were setting up that evening, and if you see those boulders in the background, they're probably what Jimmy, maybe a uh, half a mile, three quarters of a mile, three quarter uh, of a mile, yeah, half a mile. Was, yeah, yeah. The, we had incredible radio interaction, um, pretty much the entire evening. We had uh, crafts that were flashing across the sky. And it, I believe at about 1 a.m., um, you will see uh, the picture here. And I have the, the video to show you, but a red disc landed somewhere he, uh, on top of this. And it was there for approximately two hours. Again, that's that's pretty incredible uh, signals coming from the radio. It's not just you know uh, something you could be picking up, um, you know, some static or, or or some type of other you know uh, communication because we're in the middle of nowhere and this is a pretty rapid signal that's coming in. It's very powerful. Do you want me to pause for until Grant returns? Yeah, we should probably pause it. Okay. Maybe uh, rewind it maybe a few seconds. So yeah, I will. Miss the... We'll take a temporary pause at this point yeah. and have a glass of water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but um, this, this evening, um, this event was absolutely 
powerful because not only did we have the aerial contact, but we had the actual ground contact that came in. Uh, and then we also had, the, uh, which you probably don't have on here, is the ET beings that interacted with Justice and Una and several of the other people uh, at the time that the Red Craft landed. What I was saying, Grant, is that uh, we had a lot of uh, activity, uh, radioactivity, and, uh, and shortly thereafter, when it was dark, we had a lot of um, um, aerial activity. We had crafts that were flashing us. And in, in that boulder that you, that you saw earlier, about uh, half a mile to three quarters of a mile below the group, is where the red disc landed. And I'll show the video later, but uh, Jimmy has, I believe, a picture of this here. So yeah, and also uh, just one note, as you as you saw, as you said, Marcel, this site uh, again is a very remote site in Los Padres National Park. There's no human installations around, so you know no possibility of interference or anything like that. We had you know had broadcasted the message prior to this C5 contact event. Had broadcasted a message again to invite these civilizations to join us, and so uh, this is what happened. So keep going, Marcel. Actions already, and the group is. Uh, Getting set up for the night. Here we go. It's a beautiful sight. It, you left your chair, Grant, but I want to point out this is the boulder here that's about three half a mile, three quarters of a mile away from the group. And right about here, so we had a red disc land at about either one or two a.m. I don't recall now. I remember that. It's uh going nuts. Wow. It's very powerful as well. Alright, let's see another one going up here. Marcel, you want to pause this for a second here? Yeah. So, so just want to point out here, as we see on that on that screen, there are five radios set up one next to each other. They are identical. They are set to the same frequency. And yet, the non-human intelligence is capable of activating one radio independently from all the others with different pattern, different energy signature, which obviously breaks a lot of physics. Yeah. Right, Marcel. And, and again, all of them are tuned into the same frequency. It's almost like having your transistor radios all on, you know, 96.6 radio station, but yet everyone is being interacted differently. They have different energetic signature. So that's the craft. Wow. And, and, and also, there are no direct roads going uh, to this area. And it's a pretty treacherous climb up this boulder. Uh, because you, you're going to have people are saying, well, like, those are campers. Um, if those are campers and that's a tent, if it's a half mile away, that thing would have to be the size of a circus tent. <laughs> <laughs> and on fire. Yeah, and, <laughs> right. Right. and we had ground activity, Marcel. Also, you want to describe that? Oh, yeah. So, we also during this event, and this lasted, I, I believe it was there, I, I'm close to two hours, maybe an hour and a half, and it was very late. Um, 
what got our attention was some of the people were sensing something on the ground. So we left this area um, where we were witnessing this, and I, I have a plenty of recording of this, but we left this because other people were, were having experiences on the ground, maybe another 30 yards from where we were standing. And we focused on going there and we had actual ETs on the ground with small little beings, almost like, you know, hiding, you know how a child hide behind a mother's leg? Oh, yeah. It was kind of the same, the same thing. And Justice was able to capture, capture that on his um, camera and it absolutely fascinated. We had the, it was so dark, we had the ISO up all the way, so it's somewhat pixelated, but you can definitely see the silhouettes of these ETs and smaller ET beings. And we interacted with them for quite some time. And when we returned back to this site, the crack was gone, but it was there a significant amount of time. If you remember, if you've seen the videos I did of the 2014, 2015 Zendras at Mount Shasta, they were describing that as well, that there was the tall beings standing there, but then they, they kept describing these small, like little elf beings. They were poking their head out from behind trees. Like they were, yeah. they were peeking around the trees and that they had what they described sort of like as iPads. And the, they called them the engineers. The Latino people were saying these are the engineers. They believed they were the ones that were keeping the Zendra open. But they, they, just, they described this to uh, exactly what you're talking about. Almost like they were playing games. They are poking their heads up behind these trees and hiding and stuff like that. And were very small beings. That's fascinating. And that seems to be quite a common occurrence. Yeah. And even some of the expedition that I went with Dr. Greer, um, when he, you know, he, 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 he's really tuned in. And when he was out in Vera Beach on the, on the, on the, on, on the sand area, this little embankment, you know, he was making contact. I didn't see anything. And he's, you know, he's, um, has his arms spread and he's out there for 10, 15 minutes doing some type of communication. The rest of us are sitting in the circle and we're like, yeah, I had no idea what he was doing. I was brand new to this. And yeah. he's out there just, you know, talking to the sand dune. And the next morning or uh, the next afternoon, when we looked at the, at the uh, video and the pictures of, that were taken, he's, you can see where the pictures are his back and all around him are all these little uh, lights, all these little light beings and, this, and these orbs. I mean, dozens and dozens. And what he told us that evening was that the ETs were bringing in their young ones to introduce them to the humans. And that's, and that's why he was extending like this and, and looking at the ground is because they were curious and they were being initiated to humans, which is pretty fascinating. You have a video of that as well, Marcel, the, 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 the light oh, ship there? Yeah, I can, I can do that real quick. So this is the actual video that I took. Uh, yeah, 1.24 a.m. Let me make that a little bigger. And here's where I first noticed this. Oh, yeah. I'll fast forward just a tad bit here.
I have goosebumps for the all over my body now. Right on the ground over there. Huh? I'm turning up the ISO because it was so dark, and that's why you're seeing that like, greenish pixelation. Is it the yeah. video now you're recording? It, it, it went like this, yeah. the yep. light, it yep. shot that way. Do you see that red thing in the center of yeah. the stone? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's like a disc landing. Did anybody that. shine a laser? No. No, nobody. <laughs> okay. Is it filming right now? Yeah, I'm recording. Yeah. There's something out there, you guys. Mm. Oh, without a doubt. And then I, I, I think I'll show a daytime so you can see the differential. Oh, there it is. So that's the, uh, roughly where we saw that drift. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. We were still with the, uh, the video. Yeah. With the video. I'm sorry. Uh, there we oh, go. That was it. Yep. Oh, not not this one. Yeah, I gotta go back. Sorry. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. Yeah, here we go. You can press pause a second, Marcel, on this one. Sure. So, the, so brief one about this light being a counter. So, this was um, um, at the same location, and I could feel I could feel presence on the outskirt of the contact site where we were located, and so I I was drawn to go there. So I just I was on my way to walk on the kind of ridge or the edge of the, the contact site, if you will, and that's where the this um, light being was. A uh, couple of seconds. I mean, it was pretty quick. But then, then I continued and I went forward and I could literally feel beings in front of me and I could not see them. I mean, I could feel that presence very strongly. It's only after the fact we saw this. The this was captured, by the way, by some kind of more coincidence, if you will. And looking at the footage after we saw we saw it, so it was it was a good capture. But totally matched what I was feeling on uh, there that there were there were beings really uh, all around us. Wow. Hi everyone, I'm Mark Kapraski and I am standing on the rooftop of my building in Tokyo, Japan. Our contact group has been using the radio contact modality now for about two years with really great results. Uh, we use these two radios. Uh, this was our first radio. This is the Baofeng uh, F8HP and this radio we got just a few uh, days ago and this is also a Baofeng um, UVS9 Plus. So get yourself a radio, give it a try. I think you'll be uh, impressed by the results. So good luck with that and goodbye from Tokyo. Can you press pause Marcel a second? Sure. So I just wanted to point out also here that, yeah, so for all the years uh, since 2017, um, I have been working closely with you know, a small, very small group of experiencers, uh, you know, very dedicated experiencers like, like myself. 
And um, so we kept, you know, things pretty, you know, pretty under wrap, but we, we were able to expand essentially the methodology and have multiple people use it and try it and validate that it works, validate the, the methodology all over the world of people from, again, we saw one from, from Japan here, uh, Mark Kaprowski, we have uh, experiencers in New Zealand, Australia, in Europe, of course, US, Canada, all over the world, the Netherlands. And so this radio contact modality has been validated throughout the world with the same results that we're seeing today. Experiencers have the same kind of experience, of, of course, with you know different variations, but same kind of experience all over the world. So uh, it's not only us, it's not only me or Marcel, it's, it's been utilized now by several people um, for, for several years. Did you want to touch base on how those radios also have been altered? Um, or you, is that an, another segment that you want to discuss? We, we will cover that in the slides. Okay. Uh, yes, I will cover the technical aspect in the slide coming up. So uh, yeah, this was on February. This is recent. Oh wow! If you could see this, <laughs> they're going off. Yeah. So. All right. I'm going to stop it here. press pause myself so that in the longer version of the video this video montage we see the whole story there's a whole story about just the sighting we just saw um and so it's described in detail you know overall several days i had a lot of interactions with radio but also sightings at a specific location this this was just a brief extract of it but all the details of that experience are in, in the, the longer video all right hi my name is mark sims and i live in ojai california and i have successfully made contact using jimmy blanchett's radio contact modality the radio i used is this one it's a beofang bf-f8hp and here's what happened when i made contact encoded in this audio message is an image that is includes a message and symbols and other uh, uh, information that you can see on the uh, website thc2020.org slash ce6. Here we go. So far, nothing. <laughs> All right. 
Wow. Wow. I'm getting chills. This is amazing. All right. Mark's the perfect guy for a commercial. Yeah. <laughs> so this was press pause a second here, Marcel. Sure. Um, this is a very important clip also here. Uh, this is uh, from Linda, uh, Linda Erorara. She is located in the Netherlands. Uh, she uh, made a, a trip to Antarctica, uh, I believe it was January, February of 2019. And um, she, you know, she's part of our group of contact group that we've had, you know, we did a lot of work uh, with radio work and, you know, all these events we had even Rose Valley, uh, Linda came as well there. So she's been very involved in our, in our little group. And so anyway, she, she did a trip, in, she made a trip in Antarctica and uh, she was able to document, you know, pretty impressive things and you know, some of these things are related to the contact work we're talking about here. So go ahead, Marcel. And just to, to add, Linda's uh, footage, the videos footage that she have of her experiences are absolutely mm. spectacular. Yeah. They will contact her, they'll wake her up and she'll like say, okay, what do you want? It's 4 a.m., I'm tired. And she you know, goes outside, brings her camera and they'll come in and just say, okay, that's it. Can you do something? And they will come in at a certain, at a, at a certain uh, trajectory, and then they'll split, they'll be going, they'll slow down, change direction. It is absolutely amazing the type of contact she has. And this has been going on for years and years. Absolutely. Hi, my name is Linda Aurora. I'm from the Netherlands. I went to Antarctica in 2019, January, February, um, and took one of my radios with me. I have three radios. I know Jimmy for some years now, and um, Jimmy uh, taught us how to work with the radios and the frequencies. Um, we worked in a very small group. We are still working in a very small group and uh, see how the radios respond and what happens when you use the radios or when the radios respond, what you can see. Um, sometimes you can see uh, very fast UFOs flying over. And this next picture, I show you that something was flying from down left, going to the right in the middle, going up and going all the way up to the left and disappears. So I changed it a bit to show you how the, the craft or the UFO was flying. And all the same moment with the radios. So that moment that the radios went off, I took live pictures on my iPhone and later on my computer or iPad, I was watching it and then I could see um, what was going on in the sky when the radios went off. So you have there's a lot of um, activity when that happens.
you want to press pause a second here, uh, yeah. Marcel? So, so this experience was very significant. It happened uh, uh, November of 2020, so it's very recent actually. And this uh, craft uh, stayed stayed above my position for over an hour and a half, uh, literally. So I do have a ton of footage. I just had a, my iPhone 4, no, sorry, iPhone 10 um, with me. So it's not, you know, very sophisticated uh, footage, but um, I have other good footage of it. And um, yeah, it, it, it lasted there for an hour and a half. And then at some point it started vanishing and dimming down. And then at some point I lost it and I, I had to go as well. All right, Marcel, can keep going. Okay, so maybe we can go back to the PowerPoint. Fascinating. Okay. And so we talked we talk about earlier the, the, the consciousness aspect of it. Um, we saw in some of these videos, these ships, you know, making things like the flash, the one that produced this very powerful flash. Just to give an example of experience and, and connection that, you know, results out of this, this radio contact modality. So when the ship, actually I was in my backyard, um, most of these sightings actually occurred, you know, for my backyard. At some point, I realized that I didn't, I didn't need to go to very far to have contact, to make contact. So I just stayed in my backyard and they were coming to me uh, above my house. And so this one was, showed up, was very, very bright. And, and as it was right at the zenith just above me, I, I you know, mentally said, uh, said three words. I said, flash at me. That's all I kind of formulated mentally, flash at me. And then we saw the flash that occurred on, on that video. So it shows that, it shows, you know, how this, this phenomenon becomes, you know, very, very uh, about consciousness and, and so forth. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. 
Okay, um, so now we're going to enter a bit, a little bit on a technical side, a technical aspect of this uh, radio contact modality. Um, so, as we can see on this slide here, um, you know the top system or the, the triangular array rotatable polarity system, the powerful one, in terms of its reach, will reach the entire solar system, and so, and, and all the, the moons that are associated to it. So that means literally that the the, the signal will physically reach. You know these these uh, planetary bodies and go really far beyond the solar system. Um, now, in terms of the small handheld radios, you know what can we do with that? We know that on when we're on the surface of the planet, you know we cannot communicate very far with that. You know maybe half a mile, a mile, or sometimes you know if you get a clear view, maybe a few miles. But you know that's typically what we're used for. However, when we get into space communication, things are very, very different. And that's, I think, where most folks out there probably did, did, don't have that, that technical background is that in space, the signal will travel tens of thousands of miles. And so um, to give an example, the, the, I mean, the signal will literally physically reach the moon. Uh, if you go down two slides, um, uh, Marcel will give uh, an example of that. So a technical uh, proof of that here we go. So back in 2014, China sent a probe to uh, the moon to do a round trip back and forth to the moon. It, it was called a 4M mission. And that probe, as we can see on the slide here, was equipped with a very small transmitter, a one watt transmitter, very low power transmitter with a very small vertical antenna, essentially mimicking what we have with a handheld radio where we have a small vertical antenna and a very low power out. And as the, the probe was going to the moon and back, it was transmitting telemetry and messages, as we can see on that slide to the bottom left, these were decodes of the messages uh, sent by this probe. So, and we were able, uh, the amateur radio community was able to, to detect and, and decode these messages throughout the trip, even when the probe was at the moon, as far as the moon with one watt of power. Right, so this is the proof that when we broadcast or transmit with the small handheld radio, some at four watts, two, three, four watts, it's even higher power, that the transmission will physically reach this distance, will physically reach the moon and beyond. Uh, and so, um, and we can just imagine that we're talking here about human technology, very backward human technology. If we talk about ET technology, who knows, you know, how far they can uh, decode these messages, even with a small handheld. And who knows if they are probably using, you know, principles that are much more advanced, like quantum entanglement or, or whatever, uh, you know, zero point, they, they may be able to, to get these messages, you know, and, and tell them actually, literally, as soon as the information uh, is broadcasted, that information becomes available. I do have actually, I've made experiments about this, uh, which were fascinating. Uh, one day I created a message and in that message, which I compressed in a, very, uh, in a very short period of time, the message was compressed in about a tenth of a second. So just a fast burst, like a just like that. Within that message was encoded a text and the text was saying, if you can, if you can decode this, reply back to me, right? I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. I was just curious to see if a, such a short burst message could be decoded. And incredibly, as soon as soon as I transmitted, I, I, I let the, the push to transmit button go, the reply came back <laughs> within a fraction of a second. So it was mind blowing because, you know, they got the message, decoded it and acted upon it with, within fractions of a second. Really. And, that, and that was with your handheld device. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Okay. So let's go back um, one slide here. 
so yeah so this slide is important because that's the heart you know really in terms of to demystify you know how can you have communication with non-human intelligence with these small radios well this radio will reach the moon this signal and so the voice of millions of human beings can be heard in space and if there are more people doing this the voice of all these humans will be heard in space very far and one can imagine that if you know, if we postulate that this planet is being monitored uh, by non-human intelligence, that they may have technology or probes that are cloaked around the Earth or around the Moon, closed, you know, these these messages will reach, you know, potentially many civilizations, and, uh, dimensionally and, and, and interdimensionally as well. Uh, next uh, slide. Uh, okay, this one. Um, so yeah, so the, the, the what we see here on the, on this slide, uh, you know. Uh, we don't need a lot of power, and as we just described, you know, this this modality is really, you know, it's not. Um, it, it's very simple to explain why these transmissions essentially are heard. And, and also, do you, if I can add, Jimmy, is um, the devices are great for uh, transmitting, obviously, but also for getting messages because you can use consciousness and thought, and thought is instantaneously. It'll travel across the galaxy or across the universe instantly. So you, if the intent is there and you can use thought, you can validate by having a response on your radio. Yeah. So even though these are small radios and they might only go a certain distance, in other words, you could piggyback it on your thought and send the message and you will get a reply because I've done that several times sending telepathic messages um, and getting responses on the radio. Exactly. And, exactly. And as I mentioned earlier, when you have sightings, I had many instances where I made requests for either a flash or something very specific to occur and it just occurred, right? So it's, it's interlinkedly linked to our consciousness. Uh, next slide, Marcel. So something that's really important here, and we get into a bit more technical stuff, um, the, inter the uh, technical aspect of this. The interactions that are occurring on the radios so far based on my research and the work that we've done um, are not driven by regular electromagnetic radio waves. It's important to precise that. Yeah. We broadcast radio waves. What we're getting back are not radio waves, at least not in the sense that we are used to. Um, I've done many experimentations and many experiments to try to understand, demystify, and try to understand what's behind it. And um, clearly, we're looking at, uh, at a very advanced technology or principles that are not known by our current science. Um, no doubt about that. Uh, for instance, you know, we, when a radio is interacting, and we have a video of that, um, you know, we can, for instance, shield this radio from radio wave by putting it in a Faraday cage, for instance. And, and the, yet, the, the interaction will, will keep going. Uh, you can take off the antenna even and, and, and keep the put the radio in a Faraday cage and the interaction will keep going. And so there are uh, energies or powers behind it that really defies the laws of physics. There's a video, Marcel, about the microwave experiment. You want to put, put that on? Sure. This one's I like. I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if we press the button here on the side, we get the regular radio. So here we go. And so the frequency 95.1 will turn up the volume. Then we put it in a microwave. And the reason why we put it in a microwave is that the microwave has a Faraday cage. You see the door here? 
all this material is to keep the wave to get in and get out. So, so. And now we lose the radio signal completely because the radio is inside the microwave, which is inside a Faraday cage. We open it and we get signal back. Here we go. So the radio is in a Faraday cage that is a microwave and the interaction is still ongoing. So putting the radio in a Faraday cage, this is a microwave and the interaction is still ongoing despite the fact that the radio is contained in a Faraday cage which does not let any radio waves going in or out. Okay, I put the radio which is interacting right now without antenna in the microwave and the microwave is nothing less than a Faraday cage and as we can see the interaction is still ongoing Again, the radio does not have an antenna and is inside the microwave, which is not letting any radio wave go in or out. As we can see here, the door is, has a material that prevents any radio wave to get in or getting out. And uh, we saw that the radio was still interacting inside without antenna. Here we go. So this demonstrates again that these interactions are not driven by any conventional radio waves as we know it. Okay, that's probably good enough, Marcel. And we saw that also with the um, in the the video montage earlier. The after transmitting the message to the galactic federations, we had three radios lined up and were behaving completely differently. Uh, again, if, if these interactions will be driven by regular radio wave, the radios will be doing the same thing. I mean, if you have three radios set to 95.1 or whatever FM frequency, we'll hear the same radio station. It's not what happens with these radios and these interactions. The other, the other uh, thing also that's interesting is, uh, uh, is that, as I mentioned in my, in my first contact experience, radio had never behaved this way before ever. I had used it for months and made a lot of communications with it. And only on the day and time of my first encounter, which I had requested obviously with the larger radio station that the radio started behaving this way. Uh, it's also uh, notice a uh, frequency specificity. So um, the, the reply, and I do have a ton of evidence of that in videos that the reply comes back and, and the interaction is, is happening on the very specific frequency that was used to transmit the message to them. So they're kind of showing us they're replying back to that message for that same frequency. And as soon as you depart from that frequency, if we flip the frequency up or down just a little bit, the inter interaction stops. You know, another indication that you know it's very a specific customized reply. You know, if you're looking at uh, you look at typically uh, if you have you're dealing with an electromagnetic interference or 
noise. It's going to be broadband. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be sloppy, typically broadband, kind of random. It's not what we're seeing. We're seeing very sharp reply on very same frequency that we use to transmitting the messages. Another thing that's the frequency you use. Well, the, the phenomenon, I will say, is not frequency specific. Um, I have been using a frequency from the beginning, which I've kept uh, honestly, a bit uh, confidential, you know, so the, the work is not being interfered with, but um, but it can happen on any frequency. Uh, Are all the people around the world like using the same frequency? Uh, the small group that we we uh, we dealt with or they've been using this, uh, yes, there's been, we've been using the same frequency. Okay. Yeah, okay. But, but there's other, but, but other, the same people in our group has also switched frequencies because yes. they had some issues in their part of the, uh, in their country and have had this, the uh, continuous results. Okay. Uh, yeah. so, so we've altered from that frequency. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that's interesting also based on the research that I've done so far and input from other experiencers here, uh, it seems that really, and again, I'm, uh, it's a hypothesis here, but it seems really that the, the, the interaction that we are seeing are not that they are necessarily transmitting a message back to us in terms of an audio message or something. It seems to be a transfer of energy. And, and that's a completely different picture here because the reason why I'm saying that is that you can have a radio, let's say here, that's interacting and you have another radio here that's not interacting. And then once you touch the radio that's interacting or the antenna of the radio interacting with the other radio, the energy is being induced into that other radio. And then that other radio will start interacting the same way as this one. Right? You touch so the if, radios together, is that what you're saying? Yes, okay. exactly. I have videos of that. I don't have it here. And that probably Grant, could be a, a future discussion. I have a lot of material on this, but I have videos that shows that we can induce energy from one radio to the other which should not be happening, right? Because a radio that's in the receiving mode should be receiving, should not be transmitting anything. The fact that it induced the energy means that there's an energy flowing, quantum energy flowing here, uh, you know, that we don't know about, obviously, but it's, it's much more profound. The mechanism of that, that interaction is much more profound than one can imagine. Okay. I've had also the opportunities I made special when I was, let's say, uh, underground or under, uh, sometimes you go under a bridge where there's a ton of concrete on, on top of you, right? I, I went to places where it was kind of shielded from, you know, interference and radio wave. Again, these interactions are not stopped or uh, diminished or weakened by material. Uh, the material doesn't matter. You can be, you know, under 10 tons of, of, of concrete and the interaction is still going to take place. Uh, other thing also that's fascinating is that, um, and this is new information that I have never released before. Uh, if we look, the radios after a certain period of time change and as if they are modified, they start uh, more than half of my radios no longer transmit in the elect electromagnetic spectrum. So they, they've been altered in some way. They are, maybe they've been upgraded. I do not know technically what, what happened here, but some radio have no power output whatsoever anymore. And yet, if I transmit with them, I get a reply and I get, and, 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 and whatever I transmit in terms of a request, you know, often they will act upon the specific request. So they're clearly getting the transmission, although the, the radio is no longer transmitting anything. <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, so I think that describes so this, this whole aspect, uh, the technical aspect of it, I, again, is a very broad domain or that we could spend more time. I have a lot of material uh, on this. And uh, again, I think that that's probably could be part of a separate conversation at some point.
Uh, next one, Marcel. Okay, uh, just a word on that. Obviously, you know, dealing with radio equipment transmissions, uh, it's very important that the folks out there trying this technique ensure that you know they comply with the rules and regulation in their in their own country. Uh, the FCC in the United States here have different rules and regulation, a little bit than you know what you will find in Europe, for instance. They have different set of frequencies and things like that. So. Uh, you know, people doing this need to make sure that they're following the law and following rules and regulations. There's a ton of, go to the next slide, uh, Marcel, there's several units out there you can purchase. Uh, you know, again, low power, but as we can see here, it, whether you have two watts or five watts or eight watts of power, we saw in the slide earlier that with one watt, you're going to reach the moon. Your voice is going to physically be heard at the moon and beyond. So you don't need a lot of power here. And I think... Next slide. So next slide is probably one of the most important slide and that's the last slide of that PowerPoint presentation. I'm sorry, the one prior to that, Marcel. Oh, uh, transmission. Yeah, there's one that's called transmission modalities and types of requests. Oh, there you go. Oh, here we go. All right, so this is, this is probably one of the most important slide here uh, to conclude this uh, presentation. Uh, we talk about modalities. I mean, some of the what we saw earlier in the, in the videos, uh, <clears throat> you know, you can, one can use Morse code, binary code. Uh, some can use C5 tones that are already out there in the community. Um, you can broadcast music as well. And again, one may be meditating and, and doing consciousness work and broadcasting music at the same time and so forth. There are many combinations, many possibilities here. Your own voice, I mean, you know, why not? Right? You can use your own voice. Many experiences have had experience just making a request with their own voice and they got the reply back. And the spectrogram. So the spectrogram, uh, I'm gonna spend a second talking about it. Maybe go to the next slide, Marcel. Uh, this is an example here, uh, go down. Where, where's the spectrogram, the uh, the message? We see the, we have the oh, video. Sorry. Of the, oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. I, um... We have an example of message uh, and uh, yeah, the video that shows um, yeah, so this is an example of message uh, developed uh, during the Harmony Convergence uh, that Mark Sims had organized actually yeah. uh, in July 2020, aware of that. So this is a message that um, uh, was developed as a, to, to support this event. Now, how do we encode this message into a file, right? Because the, to make it practical, you want to have an audio file that you can broadcast with your radio. And so um, there's a software and, um, and we're going to talk about it later. We, we've uh, created a Facebook group here. We're gonna um, give more information about how to do that and the technical it is, but we'll use the software. I use the software to translate a picture like that into wave sounds. And so Marcel is gonna show a video here how that can be done. Is it, uh, what was it yes, called? that's right. That's what's on C6 spectrum analysis. So we see the same image we just saw. Now converted into an audio file. Now if you press pause a second, Marcel. So, so what we see here is actually a spectrogram analyzer, a spectrum analyzer decoding the audio file that was created, right? So this is actually, uh, this is um, a program I use, I have on my iPad, anyone can download that on the app store, it's called uh, Spectrum View. It's a spectrogram analyzer. And so it takes sound, wave sound, and turns them into 
spectrogram, right? And that's what we see here. So the image we saw a minute ago, once it's being turned and converted into a, an audio file that we broadcast, but if you're a non-human intelligence on the other side receiving this audio, this is what you will get, essentially. You will, just using a simple spectrogram analyzer, you will get that. So keep going, Marcel. I have one here. So I don't know if it'll pick it up, so I'll play yeah. it. Mm -hmm. So mine's picking up the, the signal as well and analyzing, and that's what you're seeing. And now you're seeing on the screen just my voice. That's what's picking up. But obviously, you can see the, the actual message that was being broadcast in an audio signal. Okay. Right. All right. Let's go back to that slide. Okay. So this is the spectrogram. Uh, if we go back to the uh, that slide, the transmission modality and types of requests. Uh, this is an important slide here because uh, right here. Uh, yes, you know, this radio contact modality can be used for to do things and accomplish things that are much more profound than, you know, just sightings and things like that. Obviously, we've had many contacts. And as Marcel mentioned, when we combine consciousness with this technological aid, if you will, that opens the door to a lot of things. I have personally experienced um, different aspects of this contact modality. For instance, the OBE here, it's, it's mentioning OBE. Uh, back in 2019, in the spring of 2019, uh, I made a request, I made a message, and I was, and that request was essentially asking for an induced out-of-body experience. Wow. And in that uh, request, uh, I was also um, asking to not only have an out-of-body, but to be able to have a full memory, a physical memory, a recollection of that transition, of that, of that experience. Okay. Essentially, that was the content of the message. So I broadcast that message um, during daytime. It was earlier in, in the day. And, uh, you know, again, not expecting anything to happen. <laughs> and then it was maybe 9 o'clock uh, p.m. I was in my bedroom. I was fully awake and aware, my eyes were open, literally, and I was taken out of my body. Uh, I, my energy body was separated and I, I, had the com I had the complete memory of it, the complete um, feeling of, of this transition. And, and uh, I knew at the moment when this happened, what was happening. I knew they were acting upon that request. Uh, but, you know, obviously when you're at that state, you you, I guess, think differently, if you will, so it's a different state. And I could see uh, lights and uh, I felt, you know, just drawn into that light. Um, and I was welcoming the experience. I was very positive, excited about it. It was a very positive experience. And after a few seconds, I blacked out and then I, I lost everything. So I don't know what happened after. Uh, but what was requested specifically was acted, acted upon. And this was a turning point for me in a sense Although I had all these sightings and many people in the community and Marcel and others have had all these experiences, that experience was very significant to me because I realized that, I mean, we know number one, it's not, it's no joke. It's, it's really, they are decoding 
precisely and acting upon very specific requests that are made. Okay. This is significant here. And I'm yeah. gonna explain why. Um, you know, because for instance, this opened the door, we talk about this Xendra and, and this portal, for instance, yeah. right? So we're using this radio contact modality, one could, for instance, um, indicate a location to have a portal open up or something, right? So that we can make very specific requests for very specific things. And if it is safe and appropriate, and if these non-human intelligence are on board with that, they will make it happen. Uh, I had also a healing experience uh, where, um, you know, I've played a lot of ice hockey in my life in, in Canada, particularly in my young age and developed, you know, quite some back pain, lower back pain. And anyway, I had, I had an episode of pain um, a couple of years ago. And uh, uh, so I ended up going outside in the backyard with my handheld radio and just using Morse code, I, I asked for help and asked them to relieve me from that pain. And that night, when I went to bed that night, I had a lot of sweating, a lot of sweat, um, you know, as if you have fever, if you will. I was a very strange state. And the next morning when I got up, the, the back pain was gone. Now, you know, was it a coincidence? I can't prove it, obviously, but, you know, it was a, a noteworthy experience to me. Yeah. Really, it happened. If, if I can add to that, it's, it's not a coincidence. Uh, I had a similar uh, issue with a, a, with a shoulder. I had about 10, 12 years of intense pain in my shoulder, and I went through a battery of tests, and they, they couldn't figure out some type of nerve damage. And it, it was really noticeable when I'm sitting in an airplane. Uh, it would be like somebody's taking a drill and just drilling into your arm. It's severe pain. I lived with it for years. When we were having all this event in, in, in Big Arbor, Wisconsin, a lot of radioactivity, a lot of contact. And during a meditation, I asked if they could do anything to help me with this pain. Within 24 hours, it disappeared. And I thought, oh, wow, this is great. You know, And I'm thinking, oh, maybe it's in my head. I'm not feeling anything. It's never come back. I mean, that is empirical evidence. It does not go away. Something that's been there for over a decade, it disappeared. Wow. What happened? I couldn't tell you. I'll have to try that. I, I was actually playing. If you've seen, I was playing with my shoulder as we we're doing. It. I've had it for five years. Exactly what you're describing. The only thing I can I can recommend is be very sincere and open when you're yeah. doing that's all I did I've asked for stuff in the past that didn't happen this time I was really sincere and my wish came true and if if if, if this is opening the door to some type of healing it's amazing I mean this would be just a, 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 a change in in how we you know how we heal ourselves and how we seek treatment this may be jumping ahead, but have, have we got plans like with the groups and the people you're working with to do experiments on this kind of stuff, like to trigger these types of events, the portal thing that really interests me, but like in terms of doing sort of a, um, an experiment to use more than just one person to see if we can uh, use this, these modalities to do these kind of things. There, there are many possibilities. Um, now, I mean, I, I went public with this uh, really in February of this year, yeah. February 6, 2021 was the first time and you were in the show, you were in the show, uh, Grant, first time this came out. So this is early days. Um, there's a lot of things that can be done, a lot of experiment that can be conducted. Uh, we are still kind of, you know, sitting up and getting this, this moving, movement going. But no doubt about that, that these experiments, you know, are doable and 
it's just a matter of time that we're going to start expanding and more and more people doing it. Going to, they're going to carry out their own experiments and we're going to collect the data. And so we're going to learn more and more as we go along with that. It's still early days, but everything we've talked about, we've, we have personal experience, whether it's healing or be sightings and so forth. We have good video evidence of it. So it looks like really that the, I shouldn't use the expression, the sky is the limit. It's not, it's not that appropriate expression. It looks like there's limitless in terms of possibilities, yeah. considering that these non-human intelligence have technologies that are extremely advanced, uh, not only on the technology side, but on the consciousness side as well. And so it opens, the, it opens up the door to so many things that we're not thinking about right now. And I think by engaging and, and, and putting the message out there and having more people trying and doing it, um, it's going to snowball and it's going to, we're going to learn more and open up more possibilities. Yeah. And, and, and also, um, you know, I, I think we're going beyond maybe reaching uh, extraterrestrial intelligence or not human intelligence. When uh, Stone Clifford passed away, I actually uh, compiled a goodbye message uh, the day after uh, he passed. And, you know, actually, I might have it on the desktop. Um, and for the entire day, I had uh, incredible response on my radio. Wow. Oh, here's, here's, I'll just show you the actual picture of, and this is when I was in uh, Laughlin, Nevada, and Lara was with me, and I have, this is the only picture I have of uh, Stone Clifford and myself, and she was there, and this is the message that I put, uh, that I put together. Wow. And the radio was going for the day. Wow, that's it was a nonstop. It was sitting here in my office uh, by my side. And it was and it was a radio that's been on on my shelf for, uh, you know, a number of weeks being being very quiet. And when I sent that out, I um, uh, it, it became active. And again, not knowing what was going to happen because we're kind of focusing on making contact with non-human intelligence, having the response, the crafts, UFOs. Here's something else, another modality. We're talking to us, uh, you know, possibly a spirit, um, you know, someone that's passed and having a response. So as, as, as you said, I think that, you know, it's wide open to what we can do with this uh, with this type of and, and I can corroborate that as well. Uh, maybe Marcel, we can get out of the PowerPoint. I think we're done. We can oh, get back okay. to regular video. Uh, I can corroborate. I, I did similar uh, experiments as well. Uh, you know, and Marcel, we had a friend of ours, a good friend of ours that passed away. Uh, I had created a message to uh, essentially ask for beings of light to uh, facilitate and help. You know, in a transition and so forth and. Uh, at the moment that I transmitted that message, my radio went absolutely crazy and did something that I had never seen before. It was going extremely fast, extremely fast pattern, impossible to, to reproduce. Uh, and so there was clearly a reply. So yeah, and, and similarly with the healing, I've, I've made also several messages over the years uh, when I, I had friends or people I knew well in the community who were going, undergoing some health challenges, um, you know, made messages to ask for healing and help. And, uh, you know, who knows, we don't know always if, you know, if there's something tangible that occurred, but you can say that all, all these people, you know, are okay today. So who knows, but clearly many possibilities there. Wow. Yeah, when, my first reaction when I, well, I saw this in February when you first did it, but my reaction is to sit here and to say like, I always call this like the Super Bowl. Like you're, I'm sitting here watching the invention of the TV. I mean, it's like you're at the very beginning of this thing and you realize the potential of it. And to be so honored to be sort of at the very beginning 
to watch this thing as it starts to unfold. I'm just honored to 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 see this what you've done. It's just amazing. Have you had any other contacts? Like you had the initial contact on the beach. Have you had any other contacts that indicate that you're being guided to do stuff? Because that's what I find is you sort of get like synchronicities and little things that sort of move you in this direction, that direction, try this, try that, where you're getting guidance? Um, a good question. Uh, the answer is yes. Um, there are things that I'm not ready to go in, in detail right now, but I can say that they are, especially uh, many of things related, related to the technical aspect of this. There are many aspects in this radio contact modality, the way I, when I, you know, put it together and choose frequencies that there's like a million, a chance out in a million that it will have happened this way, right? Because you do some mathematical calculations, you end up with a number that's exactly, let's say the speed of light, if you will, dot zero. <laughs> and so how is this possible? It's chance in a billion. And, and I, have, I have proof of that and I, you know, I've not disclosed it yet, but yes, the answer is yes. Uh, you should. I think you showed one video. I had, we talked to Marcel when we did the preview yesterday about this thing about translating the messages back. I think I saw one where you actually took the message that they sent and translated and got a message back. Have you done much of that, or is that just the one that you did? Uh, I've done. Yes, I've done this. Uh, and actually, we should probably. There's an interesting video we, we should show Marcel. It's called White Noise. Um, uh, it's oh. called fast burst decoded. Fast burst decoded. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me um, show you. Let me so yes, when I saw the, the energy signatures. Yeah, I don't think it's the same one. Um, okay, okay. I, I have not shared with Marcel this one. Uh, for oh, it's not the same. Purpose. Uh, the one I would like to show is the. It's called fast burst decode decoded. But I guess what I'm what I want to say is before you play it, Marcel, I wanted to say is the 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 interactions we're seeing through the radios. Many of them contains energy signatures, we call, or frequency traces embedded in the, in, in the transmission. That can be identified using a regular spectrum analyzer. And so there's like a signature, a fingerprint on these different energy signatures. Um, there's a number of different patterns that we have observed myself and Marcel and others in the community have observed. And there seems to be, a, I will say, a finite number of energy signatures uh, that, uh, which are interacting. And these energy signatures have literally profiles, if you will. Uh, I was able in the case to decode some of these tones and frequencies. Uh, they were one, one of them I called the eight tones. So I identified these frequencies. I recreated synthetically these frequencies using a regular app and ended up rebroadcasting these uh, frequencies to the ETs using my handheld radio. And every single time, every single time that I broadcast these tones, the reply comes back with the same tones. So, so they're kind of, you know, we're exchanging the same, the same energy signatures, if you will. I do have an example of that in a longer video that's going to be made available. Uh, and I've repeated this experiment, by the way, dozens of times. Uh, again, broadcasting these eight tones and maybe a minute or two after getting a reply, which I recorded with my iPhone. So I've repeated this experiment over 40, 50 times, documented on video, and at every single time they reply back. And, so and yeah. That's and if I may add, it's a very clean message. And we use that to initiate new radios. You know, he's kind of like breaking the radio. I, I broadcast Jimmy's cleaned up version of this just to get that radio broken in, initiate. It just seems to work. So um, thanks for doing that. 
and so the video we're going to see here, what I want to show is that although we may not understand that there are messages or the energy containing messages or information or just energy for a specific purpose, um, we'll see in this video how we can, for instance, embed a message in pure white noise, which will sound like static noise, but there's information, there's a message embedded in it. What you will see in the first part of this video, that message has been compressed in a, in a tenth of a second. It's extremely fast burst. Okay. The little cheat we're going to hear contains a full message. Okay. And after what we're going to see in the later part of that video is that when we decompress the video, when we slow it down, then we can see the entire message again buried in the white noise, but we see what it is. And so this is a representation of what these bursts could be. When we see these radio bursts and in interaction, each of these bursts may contain a tremendous amount of information, like a zip file that just needs to be unzipped to yeah. decode it. So go ahead, Marcel. So that fast burst contains a message we just heard. That oh. Now we're going to slow it down, play it again, but over a 30, 40 second period now. All right, and and then again that same message. So, this is uh, this is a good representation here that you know we we don't realize it, but even in these four in these fast bursts, what I just heard this little zzz, we have a full message embedded in it. All right, so this is um, limitation, I guess, of our senses, but uh, it's there, and so. We're still working on it and still working on, on understanding this contact modality and the energies involved. And the indications also grant are that, at least based on the information we have, my experiences and, and, and the input from the other people working with it, it really seems like the different radios, the different energy signatures are in fact different entities or different civilizations, if you will, which have their own technology. Uh, we, we see a variety of, um, effects, if you will, that clearly from a technological standpoint, a technical standpoint, they behave differently. The way, uh, for instance, I was talking about some energy signature where you can induce the energy of one radio into another radio. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can do that on with some specific energy signatures, not all of them, right? as if there is a consciousness or non-human consciousness technology specific to that energy signature that's behaving in its, in its particular way. And we have a different energy signature it behaves differently. It's a kind of different, feels like different technology, if you will. Uh, there's, we have good evidence of that. Um, also, what's fascinating, this has been happening for years, is they, they kind of eavesdrop on, on our conversations because we will be kind of brainstorming something. He could be in the car or I could be on my boat or we just could be in our, in our own offices talking and we're uh, trying to compile something, we're bouncing some ideas, all of a sudden we get 
a validation from the radio confirmation and this happened to us i can't tell you how many times jerry it's just absolutely so many times yeah every time i talk to myself we talk about serious stuff you know we say hey should we do this what do you think and all of a sudden before he can respond on the radio is just going crazy we think okay i think that's a yes (laughs) wow Are, are they upping the ante as we go along are they sort of um like, did it start simple and it's getting more complex and more sort of like they're leading you to bigger and better technology? Um, I, I will say the, the phenomenon that we accept phenomenon with these videos is dynamic. It's yeah. dynamic. It's not same thing that's stuck over. I mean, it changed over time. Some the interact the nature of the, the interaction seems to evolve and change and um, there just to give an example just to give an example it, it sometimes it feels like they are leading us to do certain things uh indirectly like there, there's an energy signature actually the the energy signature we talked about earlier the eight tones you know that, that i replicated and i broadcast back well that energy signature morphed over time where now when i have the radio clipped on me for instance if i push the radio closer to my bioelectric field, the intensity of the interaction increased dramatically. So there seems to be an interaction with our bioelectric field. And I I feel when I push it, then the interaction is much stronger. And when I let it go, then sometimes I just lose the interaction. It kind of fades in the background. It's like it's kind of pushing me to learn from that and push the radio against me. Maybe again, because it is a transfer of energy that's happening here that may have an impact on DNA or whatever, who knows? Uh, you know, what these this energies are doing. And we've experienced uh, the same thing. Uh, a couple of people in our group, uh, somehow, if you uh, hang on to the radio or hold it very close to you, the, inter- the interaction uh, increases dramatically. Wow. This is, as I say, this is just like watching the invention of the TV come, come up. It's just like, <laughs> absolutely. I guess you must feel honored to be sort of like, because you thought that at the beginning, like what, what you asked this question, like, what I was supposed to be doing and it's sort of like, this is your life purpose. Like, like you were, you were whatever you made a pact to do this. Cause it's just, um, completely amazing stuff. I just, uh, when I heard about it, even when I didn't know what was going on, I realized this is a very significant move, almost like, um, they're putting steroids in the water and okay, let's, let's bring this new thing online here. We're not just going to do C fives and watch stuff in the sky. Let's, Let's bring the, the dancing bears out and let's <laughs> <laughs> let's open up Zendras. <laughs> yeah, let's open up Zendras. I mean, I guess the good news is that it's you know the radio communication has been pa- a passion of mine for all my life and building antennas and so it's kind of it falls in you know it's a parallel path. Obviously, it's different, but it's you know I'm passionate to do this work anyway. And now the contact work since I started in 2017 obviously becomes. You know, it's it's life changing. I mean, having these experience and you know, open so much your mind, you open your consciousness to what's out there and the possibilities. And so it's um, it's fascinating. And I think all of us who are doing this work are enjoying it tremendously. Uh, and we all it keeps evolving. As I said, it's not static. It keeps evolving. We don't I don't know where that's going to end up. But I think if we can deploy this methodology and have more people try it and have their own experience, their own first contact experience on a smaller scale, if you will. Well, if there's enough uh, of us, uh, enough voices being heard in, in space at some point, you know, that may open the door for a broader, broader types of contacts, uh, more towards open contact, right? Because now we have 
you know, many people willing and, and being able to express themselves either through consciousness or, or through these technological aids like these radios. And so possibilities are limitless really as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Marcel, you and I will be together in uh, Illinois in August, and you're you're going to do the radio thing. Can you talk a little bit about that? We're doing for the Metaphysical Tribe um, conference there. Can you talk a little bit about what you're planning there with the radios? I wasn't really planning on doing much with the radios, except for having uh, uh, compiling a message and having Jimmy uh, send some signals out because that's kind of his forte. I was just going to talk about some of the contact experience that I've had and that we've had in our group and just touch slightly on, on, on the radios. But um, it all depends on Jim. If he wants me to you know, address and, and, and provide some information, I'll be more than happy to put a segment on that. Because, again, this is evolving and I think it's going to evolve very rapidly now that Jimmy's come out and, and um, you know, it's the cat's out of the bag, so to speak. Yeah, because we are you're doing a CE5 there at that event, aren't you? Yeah, they want us to do a, a, a let's cut it, let's call it a scaled down CE5 version. So they've asked us if we would do that, and then just talk about they want us to do a very generic uh, discussion on CE5 and show some of our past experiences, but not to get too deep into it. Okay. Uh, yeah. One other thing, um, I'll talk to you off when, when we're shut down. I have an event. I was contacted by an intelligence that wanted to talk to me. I've had one conversation. It wasn't a direct trend. Uh, trans thing but tuesday night i have an event so i'll talk to you off the air i'd like to maybe set up something to see what happens there and uh, i'm going to try to pass this on jimmy you know i'm from canada and um, i have the contacts in the french community and they've done articles on me and they relay this stuff back to france so i'll push it through there and maybe we can get some uh, stuff there but i'm pretty sure this is going to be um is, is going to pick up unless people are totally stupid. I mean, sometimes I wonder, you know, the stuff that's out there and people just go back to the old stuff and it's like, can't you see the significance of what's going on here? It's like, so I'm, I'm just honored to be part of this, this whole thing. Cause I, I mean, that was my thing is contact modalities and, and you guys are fitting right into this. That um, I had this realization and maybe it's synchronistic that the, the, we had this contact that Marcel told me about this at yeah. Mount Shasta and yeah. Um, yeah. It, it all comes together. And if just in closing, and if I could also add that I think that uh, people need to take this serious, that this modality is to help you establish a relationship with non-human intelligence. I mean, this is your first contact, so act responsibly. It's not like here's a radio and invite a bunch of friends, have some beer, and it's like a tailgate party. Yeah. You know, hey, look, I, we're you know communicating. Really take it serious because this is really a pivotal point for the individual to make contact. I just want to stress that it's not it's yeah. it, it's not a game. It's not a Ouija board. You invite people for that. Do you do you think that that, that experiencers have better would have better um, results rather than people who say, just heard about it and then quickly run out and buy a radio and haven't had any sort of contact experience? I'll, I'll answer and I'll let Jimmy answer. I, yes and no. I think that the experiencers who are treating this uh, in, a, in a different fashion as opposed to being fascinated with what's going on will probably have a more profound experience and in, in, in a, a deeper uh, type of communication with them. But that said, there's a lot of people that are brand new that somehow have this I call it the gift of connection. They've never done it. Turn this on and all of a sudden they take over. 
<laughs> you know, their activity is just really intense and profound. So I think that um, it, it can work both ways. If somebody brand new that's open to this will have incredible experience. If you're just there for entertainment, it's very likely that it's not going to happen until you reach a certain mindset. And that's kind of my take. And I'll let uh, Jimmy respond to that. No, I, I agree with what you're saying, Marcel. Uh, and and uh, I guess that the beauty of it, the flexibility of it in the sense that for those who are new to this, sometimes just having this first interaction, you know, maybe a life-changing event for them. And then they start doing more work and consciousness work and being open to it. And they're, um, you know, they're going to start to evolve in that, in that, on that path. Um, and those who have more experience uh, typically will think, you know, to combine this methodology with, or this, you know, modality with consciousness work and then, Typically, they will go farther in, in what they can accomplish and things come up. And so, yeah, it's very dynamic. Um, and I think it's open to everyone. And as Marcel said, I think people need to treat this very seriously. Again, the, the OBE experience to me was very significant. I realized how, you know, specific and precise these, uh, you know, these, these non-human intelligence could act upon certain requests. And, uh, you know, so we don't want to, you know, obviously do things that could be harmful or unsafe and things like that. So I always encourage, of course, the folks to take the proper precaution to ask for uh, uh, ask for protection, ask for, you know, positive uh, benevolent, benevolent beings and things like that. Uh, it's important to, to do that. Um, and, you know, I, there's one thing I wanted to mention also, which I, I, I forgot to mention at the beginning. When I did the first transmission um, in the late April and I had my first contact on May 1st, the binary code message that was transmitted, you know, they essentially acted upon this request immediately. And it means that it, it, it seems to imply that all the energy and the transmissions that, all, that emanates from planet Earth are being monitored and decoded and analyzed in some way. Because how will, you know, civilization just pick that signal that I had transmitted very specifically and acted upon it? I mean, there's such a, you know, such a, a cloud of, of, of radio wave emitted from planet Earth in general. I mean, it's millions of people with cell phones and radios, and we got all this smog, if you will, this fog of radio wave. Well, they extracted that one that I broadcasted, decoded it, and acted upon it. So the implications of that are pretty profound. And that's because of the intent. Your intent was well. Yes. Yeah. Or if you're doing the telepathic thing, or you talked about the radio that wasn't really sending frequencies still working, it's this idea of non-local consciousness that it may all be here now. There's no time, no space. It's all right. one thing. And they're, they, they're in top of the whole thing. And we're just sort of clued out as to how it works. I, I, exactly. No yeah, doubt about we, that. One, one of the things I, because I was kind of surprised when I interviewed Mark later on after the event in, in, in February, that he had talked about Tejbar was, was not an, an ET. He, was, he claimed he was from, from Earth. And it gives the idea that you, and I think you brought up before that you really don't know who you're in contact with it, or maybe all sorts of uh, like dead people, uh, aliens, uh, people who used to live on earth or higher realms that are all in the same field. And um, so how, how do you distinct that you, cause you mentioned certain um, um, species, how, how do you distinguish who you're actually talking? Have you ever been able to distinguish? Cause you talked about getting a certain, uh, I think it was the Syrians to flashback or something. How do you determine who you're actually talking to? Well, there's some, sometimes it's just um, 
how would I say that feelings? I, I do have, I mean, the, I do have videos uh, of uh, uh, contact work that I've done most of the time I, I did contact work alone uh, to be honest um, the group that I intended to set up early on it was you know it's hard because you you want to bring people and not everybody can or the, it, it I didn't have much time to manage a large group and things like that so I ended up doing most of my contact work by myself alone and when you start establishing a relationship it becomes very personal it's, it becomes a very personal thing and in one case, I do have the full video of that, actually, that uh, you know, I can provide. Uh, I, I got to a site and, uh, well, actually the same site that we saw in a, in a video earlier in, in Rose Valley, California, in Los Padres National Park. And I often record, you know, use an audio recorder when I do contact work and I let it record because there are things happening. And so after the fact, I can, you know, uh, use that information. And I felt very strongly that there was an Arcturian ship that will be manifesting itself and will be producing flashes and will, will signal me. And that, um, um, that's the strong feeling I had. It was around 9 o'clock PM. And so I verbalized it uh, on the audio recorder because when I these things happen, I kind of you know, verbalize it. So it's on the record. If something happens, it's good to have. So I verbalized it. And an hour and a half later, exactly what I had foreseen that Arcturian ship just materialized and started flashing. And I have that on video, the, the, the ship flashed, never stopped actually flashing. It was fairly stationary above me and it flashed for over an hour and a half nonstop, every 11 seconds, every 11 seconds, it produced a flash. I have the full video of this, I made a video montage of it. Every 11 seconds flashed, flashed. Um, and the flash became quite intense at some point. Um, and so, so when I have these experience and I feel that it's, let's say an Arcturian ship and beings will produce that and the, and the sighting actually occurs, well, I make the assumption here that it was really that <laughs> because yeah. I kind of predicted the sighting, right? So but do I have absolute proof of that in some cases? Not always, of course, right? Uh, I'm not on their ship. I'm not necessarily seeing the beings, but they all experience like that, that really are pretty strong and clear. So there's no doubt about that. Um, so. Uh, now we, we're going to link a video. You talked about linking a video. Can you describe what's in the one hour video that we're going to link? Yes. So all these experiences that, uh, that have been collected over the, the, the years, uh, you know, was my experience, but also collected some testimonials. We saw some on the 20 minutes video earlier. Uh, that, that 20 minutes was just a condensed version of that longer version. That longer version has more material. It's the, the experience that we saw in the 20 minutes or more, more defined as, you know, there's kind of longer videos in, in that hour. So it's, uh, it's, it's experience, uh, sightings, other people's experience, testimonials, uh, details about the radio contact modality. So it's really a, co a compilation, if you will, of clips, video clips. Most of them were just taken with my iPhone or Marcel's iPhone when he was in, <laughs> in over there. So it's an amateur, amateur type of, you know, mini documentary, if you will, but I think is a good collection of experiences and testimonials, which will give a very good idea to the folks out there, what can be accomplished with the methodology and what kind of results you can expect. Wow. Well, I'm pretty excited. And I guess I, I if we look at synchronicities that I, I've been dragged into three or four times now, so I guess I have some role to play. So I'll uh, play my role and move it where as, as much as I can and, and try to tell people like this is this is important stuff if you realize what's going on here uh this is a big step this is almost like we're being moved to the next level to to understand what's actually going on and i, I appreciate uh, 
Uh, absolutely, and thanks. And thank you, uh, Grant. Thank you for uh, you know uh, taking this seriously and, and and allowing us to share this message. It's important, and uh, your voice is extremely important and um, honored and very very um, grateful uh, that uh, you know you're allowing us to to speak about this. The video we talked about earlier, the the one hour montage, if possible, we can edit it in the, this interview at yeah. the end. We can just insert yeah. it there so people can access it directly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Gregory. I truly, truly appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate that you're interested in this and, and, and getting the word out. Uh, we also um, created a little uh, um, Facebook group site uh, called Beyond the Signal, uh, establishing a personal relationship with extraterrestrial um, um, beings. And we, we hope that this little platform will allow uh, people that are new or even people that are experienced to share and exchange information. So we can put the link on that as well. Okay, and maybe I I'm just just popped into my head. Sometimes I have um, experiencer groups where I can pull in a lot of people who are experiencers. Would you be willing to open to a, a panel where I put it out and then people who want to can come on a panel where you just sit there and answer questions from people? Absolutely, I would be happy to do so to participate to that, absolutely. Okay, because I do have, I have had a group of experiencers where I've opened it up, I call, used to call it rabbit holes where a lot of people want to tell their story. They've had experiences and stuff. They got no place to go. So I just open up the line. I've had 70 people on Zoom at one time. And it just, so a lot of times they're looking for this kind of stuff where, um, you know, they, they, they actually get to talk to people who are doing it. So that was one of the things I thought of. But the, the main one I'll, I'll talk to you off the line is about this thing on Tuesday that um, I, it's kind of weird. I've had three different messages from beings and each of them turned into a book. So um, I've got another one here that's going to happen Tuesday night. So I want to touch base with that. But um, I, I'm absolutely honored to, to, to have been part of this this uh, story. And um, thank you very much. Thank, thank you so much, uh, Grant, for sponsoring this. Really appreciate it. You know, and, you know, it's uh, the, the journey continues. I think we're in for an amazing ride. Beautiful. One one last question before we go. Uh, what what is your what is your neighbor? What do you think when you have these big giant antennas? Does he sort of look <laughs> over and say, uh, "What's going on here"? <laughs> well, at some point, I, I actually at some point I had these antennas on top of my house on the rooftop, and so it's like I just had two at the time, and they were so huge. I mean, it's uh, everybody was stopping in the street to look at that. The kids were like, "Look, Bob, Mom, what's this?" You know. So yeah, it gets a lot of attention. But now I put it down in the backyard, so it's kind of a bit you know more hidden. But yeah, they'll <laughs> think you're working for the CIA or something like that. <laughs> <All right. laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> Thank you very That's much, right. gentlemen. I, I'm, as a kid, I'm honored to have been a part of this. Thank, thank you, you so much, Greg. Thank you, and thank, thank you, you for everything. Thank you, Marcel, so much for your help. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast, or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.